I think the elephant in the room is my mustache, which I grew for a role that for a play that Taylor came to see. Teddy but, Roosevelt, but you did not, Jason. So, yes. I mean, but we're I'm committed to our friendship. Yes. We'll get past this. I wanted to say friends, so I didn't go to your show. <laughs> <laughs> so you missed the night that I fell cold. flat on my face on the here. stage. That was a first. Our goal in this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, hello and welcome to A Little Better and welcome to the A Little Better podcast studio. This is week two. You, my friend, were here for the debut yes. last week. Got christened to it. Christened it. <laughs> <laughs> love what you've done with the place. Actually, I should say love what Taylor has done with the place, our producer, uh, has worked hard on this to make this a reality. And uh, it's a very comfy it's, it's like setting. an icebox in here right now, too. So, <laughs> I watched it last week. I saw how bundled up Daniel was, so I made sure I had my flannel we shirt and hoodie. my sweatshirt. Yeah, I sweater, so, yeah. all right, I guess we should get to the topic at hand. So, you, my friend, got to wrap up, finish, take it home. Getting to know your Bible, our four-week series ended mm-hmm. with you telling us talking to us about, is the Bible relevant today? So yes. how about giving us the uh, sermon in 60? All right, yeah, sermon in 60 seconds, uh, really answering or a- addressing the question, is the Bible still relevant to our lives today? Is it useful? And we went to Scripture to say, what does Scripture say about that? The primary passage we talked about was 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And in that passage, um, Paul basically talks about two ways the Bible is useful for us today. It, it's, it prepares us for eternity. Um, we, it points us to salvation through faith in Christ alone. And then secondly, that it prepares us for today. Um, and he walks through four different ways that the Bible is useful for us today. It's for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And the end goal of that. Um, is that we are will be equipped to be used by God. So as we interact with the Bible, we can be used by God. And I ended by sharing just four ways. Not only is the Bible relevant to us, but that we can use the Bible and encourage everyone to read the Bible, listen to the Bible, to hear it taught, and to surround ourselves with those who love it and live it. There you go. Excellent. I have no idea if you got that in under 60 or not. Seems about right. But uh, yeah, great, great message there. So uh you covered a lot. I mean, this series covers a lot. Was there anything that you had to cut that you had a hard time cutting? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the blessings is I finished my message. We, we always preach early and ask for feedback on what I could cut. And you guys said, there's nothing you should cut. But I had too much content, so I went <laughs> to get approval for more time, and they gave it to me. So Your message was so, that yes, good, they so approved yeah. two more minutes for you. After yes. Sunday, people will have a lot more that I could cut. They're like, hey, Jason, that was <laughs> we didn't need that. So, um, you know, I feel like, though, anytime, you know, this was a four-week series on the Bible. I mean, we could do two, a two-year series on the Bible. So there's a lot of things that even in this series we didn't get a chance to tackle. Uh, some of those things are going to be addressed in our uh, equip book discussion groups. Um, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who wants to, I, I think of every objection or question or mm-hmm. doubt um, to anything with faith or anything, anything in the world. And so there's a lot of questions or doubts that I would have liked to address. I, I think I would have loved to even speak more specifically to the person in the room who's not a Christian, who hasn't read the Bible, or maybe they've even read the Bible, but they 
just aren't sure they believe it, you know, and try to address like our skepticism. And I'd also have loved to deal with a lot um, of the theological terminology uh, around the Bible to help us get a better grip on like, how do we really understand like um, Mm -hmm. some core tenets about the Bible or bibliology? Bibliology. There's one of the big words. I mean, you and I, spoiler alert, we both went to seminary. Mm -hmm. So we both paid good money <laughs> to learn big words, yes. which sometimes it's not that helpful and to use. we forget a lot of what we learned. But, yeah. <laughs> we forgot far more than we remember, that's for sure. But you think about some of those big words. I mean, it is very easy on a topic like this to bog down. And for people who want to do graduate study or even devote their lives to this, I mean, there's it's an endless, mm-hmm. uh, it could be an endless pursuit. So I, I love that we are trying, I mean, in some ways, less is more, right? If you mm-hmm. had 50 minutes to share, yes. would it be better or worse? You know, maybe A lot worse. of people snoozing after that Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> uh, you know, but but yeah. I think there are some people who probably, maybe they want to dig a little bit more, or maybe other words come up, or they think, but anyway, mm-hmm. there's... Um, yeah, think about some of these words, inerrancy. We were, we were even trying to, some of the words we could remember, but not remember yeah, what they so, meant. So like, what, so there's some big terminology when it comes to bibliology, which is yeah. the study of the Bible. Yeah. Um, so uh, under that, there would be, you know, the big question is the authority. Should I even like trust this Bible? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it comes down to, and we talked about this in 2 Timothy 3, the authority of the Bible, this is God-breathed or it's inspired. Mm -hmm. Um, And Drew and Daniel talked a little bit about what inspiration means. So there's the word inspiration, Mm -hmm. there's the word inerrancy or infallibility, and Daniel talked a little bit about that in his sermon on trusting the Bible. We didn't dig super deep. And some of those words you can guess at, you say inerrancy, you can find the word error in there. Okay, so it doesn't have errors, infallibility, it doesn't fail in anything it claims. Claims, um, but There's words like canonicity, like, and that really does like uh, <clears throat> deals with do the books that we have in the Bible, like, are those the books that we've always had, or did someone add books later, or how do we know which books should be in the Bible? So that's a big question. Right. There's a word pers- perspicuity, you know, that's used. You might be thinking like, what in the world does that mean? And that really deals with the question of the clarity of the Bible. Can we, as you know, Americans or people 2,000 years after this was written, can we understand uh, what God wrote to us? And that was a really big debate back in like the mm-hmm. time of the Reformation because uh, some of the church was saying, no, people are, will be confused and they're going to misinterpret the Bible, so you should only listen to the teaching of the church. <laughs> you can't read it on your own. And then Luther said, no, mm-hmm. The Bible can be understood by even the average person, and so it's clear. Perspicuity means clarity. So Mm. uh, there is an ability that all of us, maybe we're not going to understand it perfect, but we can have some understanding of the Bible. So those are a few terms, and there's Mm -hmm. more than that that I would have loved for us to dive into even more in this series. Yeah, I think um, probably the big questions that have shaped this series, I see again and again, is it true? Is it is it useful? I would mm-hmm. I would think it's so so like is it true? Can we even trust it? So we do have the um, winter book discussions coming up. Mm-hmm. So you have some time to get a hold of one of two books or both books. Mm-hmm. You know, should I trust the Bible? You referenced yeah. in your message how to eat the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's the author's name on that? Nate. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name right. Pickowitz? Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to... <laughs> we'll put that in the additional resources yes. so you get to the right place. Mm-hmm. But I think those are kind of the big 
the two big questions, right? Like, is it even true? And it might be true, but irrelevant. I have a, a friend who's an atheist and I just said, and she's like, what difference does it make? You know, mm-hmm. for her, and it just blew me away that anyone would think, because to me, whether or not there was a God is a huge difference. I mean, it's whether or not there's mm-hmm. purpose in life, whether or not there's someone, there's yeah. a plan and does it include me and is it yeah. for good? So, um, so both those questions, is yeah. it true? Is it useful? Yeah. So should I trust the Bible? You can go deeper with that. That would be a great way to go and how to eat your Bible. Yeah. Um, but uh, those, anyway, I just feel like we're always doing this dance of getting mm-hmm. the essential, helpful stuff out mm-hmm. without, without bogging down. But for people who want to go further, another piece mm-hmm. of, I think, gold is you, of course, as pastor of spiritual formation, you've been doing the equip emails mm-hmm. for a long time. And I appreciate all the research... Um, Jason is basically reading the entire internet <laughs> and then finding the good stuff uh, yeah. to pass on. So week after week, you know, those emails come out, um, and I put them in a folder, you know, in Gmail, which they uh, they just form a nice mm-hmm. library. So I would say definitely sign up for the equip email. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a great thing to do. Make sure you're on that list because because that again, excellent yeah, resources. One of those applications of of hearing the word taught. You know, mm-hmm. and so what are trusted resources? Many of us are like, I don't know who to trust. Like, is this mm-hmm. person a, I mean, a Google, a question that I have? Right. And I'm like, is this person a Christian? Are they an atheist? Are they, you know, another faith <laughs> belief? Like, are they trustworthy? So mm-hmm. hopefully we are giving you some trusted resources. And sometimes we even include resources from people that we wouldn't agree with everything we say, but the resource that we share, we would say, hey, we think this is a good resource. So I appreciate your heavy lifting on that. That's that's super helpful. You mentioned in your message living in a post-Christian world. Mm-hmm. Um, what is? Can we talk about what that even means and what difference that makes and how do we live and what role does the Bible play? I mean, in a post-Christian world, yeah. do you have a definition? So yeah, I am not a sociologist, and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area. But really, mm-hmm. the idea would be that. Uh, for much of Christianity or much of the history of America um, or many Western countries, they have been influenced significantly by Christianity Mm -hmm. and by the teachings of the Bible. So um, even if people, the original like founders of the country didn't believe it themselves, they still shaped a lot of their morality, Mm -hmm. uh, the way we, you know, try to have a just society, you know, based on the scripture and, you know, at one point in our country, you know, more, uh, you know, well, right now, every, <laughs> the average American has four Bibles. So mm-hmm. there's plenty of people who have a Christian root. Maybe their grandparents went to church or mm-hmm. they went to church. Um, so there's a Christian rootedness. But um, when you talk, look at the actual lives of people in our society, mm-hmm. even though they have that history in their family, is not an active part of their life. So they've been influenced by a society that's been shaped by the Bible, but they don't mm-hmm. believe the Bible, they don't read the Bible, they don't accept Christianity. Um, and so now, you know, we are absent of any foundational truth. You know, it's kind of like look within and find out what um, you believe. And so there is no moral compass that we can all um, come back to. It's certainly not a cultural consensus. I feel like if you, like here in the Northeast, part of the country, you know, Rochester, um, 
you if you polled a lot of people, you'd find just a lot of Catholics. You know, it's just like that's mm-hmm. what they grew up with. That was their identity. My mom grew up in Alabama, mm-hmm. and you know, you look down there, and I saw maps that would show like counties that had over fifty percent Southern Baptists. <laughs> so it's like you have in some places this kind of cultural consensus, this cultural dominance. But now today, I mean, I didn't grow up knowing many. Buddhists or Muslims or even atheists, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but now there's we're just exposed to so many cultures, right? We're a global village; mm-hmm. we can see everything, and then it gets a lot of us rightfully questioning. Hey, I uh, do I just believe this because I grew up with it? Mm-hmm. You know, this is just the f- I'm a fish. This is the water I mm-hmm. swam in, and so and why would I think my answer is any better than someone else's answer? Mm-hmm. So the, all these things contribute to a very cosmopolitan, almost mm-hmm. buffet of worldviews that yeah. all swirl around us. Yeah. Do we think that's a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> well, I think anytime, you know, especially if you do are a Christian, I feel like I, I would even say with my kids right now, I, I want my kids to have an incredible foundation and trust in the scripture and the God mm-hmm. of the Bible. And I'm thankful for our church and our kids' ministry laying that foundation for them. But I want them to be confronted by different beliefs and different worlds to really mm-hmm. have to think about their faith and not just believe this because your dad's a pastor or you go to a church, but because they've engaged and, and explored the world that God created and found that you know, Christianity is true. So I think it's good to be exposed to a lot of alternate views. In fact, one of the best ways to grow as a follower of Jesus is to make as many friends as possible with people who believe differently than you, whether that's politically mm-hmm. or um, religiously, you know, and ask them about their world and then go back and ask those same questions, you know, through mm-hmm. the Bible. A lot of us, we hear questions about God or Christianity and we're like, oh, that's a good question. Um, but we stop there and then instead we just kind of doubt or question our faith when mm-hmm. a lot of uh, solid Christians for a long time have been, you know, answering these questions and helping us understand, you know, where we can find confidence in our faith. So mm-hmm. ask the questions, but don't just get lost there. Go back to God, go back to His Word. Yeah, personally, I'm excited, you know, about the pros- prospect of being in a post Christian world. I just think it makes ministry a lot, a lot clearer. I, um, would you rather live like historically in America, maybe forty percent, you know, of the population, you know, church, um, you know, Christian church attendance? You go to Europe and it's less than four percent. But those four percent, they know what mm-hmm. they believe. They're passionate about it. They're on mission. Mm-hmm. They're doing the rest. So you mentioned like doing the hard work of thinking this through for yourself, making your faith your own, a faith that survives. You know. Mm-hmm. You know criticisms and contradictions, and you know you work work all those things through. I also think about it living in a world where it costs you something, mm-hmm. right? It used to be it was culturally advantageous, you know, to be Christian, right? I mean, every politician would tout their mm-hmm. church attendance, right? But now we live in an age where it may cost you to take a mm-hmm. Christian stance, you know, to mm-hmm. hold up, hold, to defend, you know, Christian values mm-hmm. and Christian worldviews. So, what it costs us, I think. That's exciting mm-hmm. too, in terms of the church. I don't think we're, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's great when we're in yeah. control of culture. I mean, that same <laughs> passage that I taught on Sunday, you know, Second Timothy three, I think verse twelve talks mm-hmm. about all those who want to live a godly life are going to face persecution, and and the persecution that we mm-hmm. face in America is still pretty limited. But you know, you could potentially lose a job or lose a friend. You know, the, the, there's plenty of places in the world where. 
it's more than losing a job or losing a friend. It's, it's right. losing your life or right. it's having your family taken away from you or right. it's getting locked up in prison. So yeah, we still live in a very Christianized nation, even though a lot of the people don't follow or believe right. the teachings of the Bible today. And you think about just how much more powerful, appealing, enticing the mm-hmm. message of Christ is. You know, you say, oh, yeah, they're just Christian because it's, you know, because <laughs> they want to pray for a God who gives them things or prospers them mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but to say, why are they a Christian when it costs them so much, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. the world, you know, is against them? And even just to be embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. about certain, like to take a Mm-hmm. say like a pro-life stance, right? Uh, or to say, mm-hmm. hey, let's reserve um, mm-hmm. um, se- sexual activity for marriage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but th- those are things, those are positions you can be embarrassed about yeah. or can cost you um, and just don't work. So anyway, I'm yeah. excited. I mean, that reminds me kind of, a, I think it's John chapter six, maybe I'm wrong, but at one point, Jesus' disciples are following him, and he, he gives a hard teaching, and all these people walk away, and Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, what about you? Are you going to walk away too? And mm-hmm. Peter says, like, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, you know? Yeah. And ultimately, that is, like, if you know the God of the Scriptures, you think, like, okay, the world around me might be missing Jesus, but where else would I go? I have such hope and, and um, confidence in, in who God is for me and what he's done for me. Yeah, that's a beautiful cycle back. I love that, you know, because of the increased chaos and confusion in the world, all the more, you know, do we need, you know, you know the words. So um, what, what might you say to someone who's, it's interesting because you talk to so many different people in the room, different stages of life, but what about the, someone who's just, dare I say it, tired of the Bible? They might have even read it several times and just say, ah, been there, done that. You know, I'm not, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, what, what might you say about that? Yeah, I mean, I've been a Christian pretty much since you were, since the womb? Is that what Last we established? Week I, said I was a pastor <laughs> since I was born, which is you know, not true. But um, yeah, I've been influenced by the, the Bible for my whole life. Jason, so, Jason yes. has been a pastor. You've, have you been a pastor? I've been on staff for 13 no, years. No, my question years. is you haven't been a pastor longer than you've not been a pastor, have you? No. You're going you're gonna to no. cross that. I'm 40. The, you're you know, 40. So okay. So it's going to, but you'll get there. a long ways to go. I know, not a long ways, right? Well, anyway, you've been in ministry. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the question. But you've been a pastor for a good chunk of your mm-hmm. life, grew up in a pastor's home. Um, I've been a pastor less yeah. than a year. So listen to what he says. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, uh, to answer your question, though, like, I've been studying the Bible my whole life. I've gone to Bible college and seminary to do that. I still feel like I am very far from getting a grip on the whole teachings of the Bible. But that that being said, sometimes I can find the Bible reading a chore. Or I can be like, okay, I know what this passage is already going to say. and mm-hmm. so, Or I hear a sermon, I'm like, okay, I've already heard this before. So it can be familiar yes. to me. Um, and I think one of the realities is that our hearts are sinful and we're drawn mm-hmm. away from God. And so we need to pray that God would give us a desire for his word. That's you know part of what... Mm-hmm helps us to hunger for God is asking God to help us hunger for his word. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's some things that can help. Like it could be helpful to read a, a different translation than you've read before. 
Um, or, you know, it doesn't even mean you always have to, to read the Bible, but just engage with someone who can teach it in a way that you find compelling and it can and give you a new hunger and appreciation for God's Word. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in those four things you gave, which was like to read it, listen to it. Um, Hear it taught. I'm sorry? Hear it taught. Hear it taught, and then uh, hang around people who live it and love yep. it, right? Yep. Uh, so even just to think about those four, you're probably doing more of one than the other, you know? So just to kind of change that up. But yes, to, you know, to listen to it. Um, change the translations, you know, I love that. Um, the thing I've been thinking about, I'm, I'm an <laughs> amateur actor, as got kind of mentioned, I do enjoy doing plays and things. It's interesting how much I will memorize to be in a play, you know, mm-hmm. or to do or do a performance. And yet, why am I not memorizing scripture more? So I, what I would really, this is a silly thing. That's not silly. No, it's, it's serious. I would love to like memorize one of Paul's letters mm-hmm. beginning to end. I mean, I've done that much in a play. Mm-hmm. So memorize one of Paul's letters and then just, you know, say it out loud yeah. from memory, you know, as if I was really speaking, you know, to fellow Christians. Yeah. That would be, that whole process, I'm sure would make it extremely yeah. fresh for me, but shy of that. I think for people, when the scripture, you know, when the Psalm says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What does it mean to hide in my heart? Does it mean to read a lot? Or are there other things to do, which is to like slow down and maybe just meditate and even mm-hmm. memorize and, and digest them? So anyway, I think there's lots of opportunities to change gears yeah. here. So. Yeah, I read at one point the Bible's meant to be more than tasted. We need to chew on it and eventually swallow it. If we taste on it, it's not going to feed us. We have mm-hmm. to actually eat it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Cool. So maybe we can wrap it up with some advice. I mean, again, I mentioned that we speak to people in the room. There's so many different audiences out there. I think about skeptical people. And we love, we love having skeptical mm-hmm. people come to Northridge. Just, um, we love their honesty, their curiosity. Mm-hmm. It helps us be better. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we love that. Jesus loves skeptics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the people who are new to faith. They're excited. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're even getting them pumped up about how valuable the Bible is or how mm-hmm. trustworthy it is, but they don't know where to go. And then finally, the people who've just been at it a long time. Yeah. I think maybe that third part we already answered, you know, yeah. for those who maybe feel like been there, done that, and discouraged. So let's back up and say they're new and excited, you know, what should they do? Or even if they're skeptical, what should they do? Yeah, I think if you're a skeptic, like I'm right there with you, you know, and I've still got a million questions that I want to have answered. But I think um, we don't only read, we shouldn't only read things that we agree with or things that we believe. Like if, if that were true, then there, we, would, we wouldn't read very much, you know. So mm-hmm. you don't have to believe the Bible or believe that there is even a God to read, you know, this book that has significantly influenced our world. Maybe it's the, it's the most influential book in the history of the world. So just mm-hmm. pick it up. Read it. Grab one of the Gospels and dive right in. Mm-hmm. And I think as you do that, you can ask God, you know, say, if you God, if you're real, show yourself to me and see what God does. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to put your doubts or questions aside, but you can do that uh, along with your questions. Yeah, and I think some newbie advice I got um, years, many, many, many years ago was, I believe it was a 
we'll find it, a little tract from the navigators called Seven Minutes with God that mm-hmm. just influence. Again, it's easy to get, you know, I'm going to read the whole Bible, you know, whatever, you know, to do mm-hmm. something, but just to really, and Daniel in the first week, you can go back and see his one challenge. But that Seven Minutes with God was just encouraging, you know, just to give a just give a little bit of time, but do it faithfully, you know, in terms of of reading the Bible. And like you said, the Gospels are, I think, the best place to start, um, just to be a fly on the wall, watching Jesus, uh, you know, living his life. But seven minutes with God, you just take maybe seven minutes a day that you're going to give undistracted to reading, you know, the Word. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other thoughts as we wrap it up here? Yeah, I feel like sometimes, you know, we had talked about this a little bit ahead of time, like what what do I read, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we have digital Bibles, we have study Bibles, we have paper Bibles, um, audio we Bibles. have audio Bibles, and, and I Picture guess... Picture Bibles. <laughs> I would say, do whatever is going to help you get in the words, if you're like, I just have a hard time sitting down and reading, like listen to the Bible on the way to work, you know, mm-hmm. it's better to get something than nothing. Um, I would say listening to the Bible, there's things that I pick up that I don't reading it, but... Uh, when I listen, I often miss a lot. So it's really helpful for me to sit down carefully. When I was a new Christian, study Bibles were very helpful for me because I would read and be like, I have no idea what's happening here. Um, but the longer I've been a Christian, the more at times I find that, that to be a distraction. So just having a paper Bible, uh, no digital device around to distract me is helpful for me to just read a chapter, read it again, think carefully, and pray for God to show me himself through it. I love that minimalist approach. That's awesome. Well, listen, thanks for joining us uh, for all four weeks of this series, Getting to Know Your Bible. Please come back as we kick off a new series, uh, Where Are You Christmas?